This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. It's good to see you today. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. If this is your first time or maybe first time in a long time, we are thrilled that you're here with us. You're joining us on the, the tail end of a series of messages that we have called Exchange trading death for life. We're actually going to conclude this next week, and then we're going to jump into our uh, summer message series where we're going to walk through the book of Philippians over the course of the summer. I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to kick that off on Father's Day Sunday, um, but we're going to finish this one strong as well. So today we're going to talk about trading our control for Jesus' direction over our life. Now, um, I know that there are some of you who are wired like me, and you're already like, look, I know I have a control problem. Get off my back, right? Um, but instead, I'm just going to kind of jump on and piggyback until we run you into the ground this morning, and we all agree we need to surrender our control. Now, when I was growing up and as a teenager, even as a college student, probably into my first year or two of marriage even, I thought I was a laid-back person. I thought I was a fly by the seat of my pants, like I am spontaneous, I am fun. Um, what I came to realize, though, the older I got was the primary reason I felt that way was I had no responsibilities in life, right? Like just, of course, I was flying by the seat of my pants. Everybody took care of everything for me all of the time, right? Now, I know it doesn't feel that way as a teenager, as a college student. It feels like the pressures are real, the stresses are real, and they are. But later in life, you're going to look back and think, yeah, I had it pretty easy. Okay, and, and so here's what happened to me. I married a lady who was super organized, super structured. I mean, Angie, when she was working on her master's degree, if they told her a paper was due in March, she had it done in February and still thought she was behind, right? And so she would look at me at times, and I knew if a paper was due on Friday, it meant it was due on Friday, not Monday, not Thursday, and if it was Friday at noon, if I finished Friday at 11.30, I was still early, right? And so it, but over the course of marriage, as, as many of you know, you tend to become more like each other. And so what happened to me was I married a, a very structured lady, and I started to become more structured, and I started to become more organized. And then I got a, a job that required a high level of structure and a high level of organization. And then we had a kid and another kid and another kid. And each time it was like, we got to get organized or people are going to die in here. Uh, you know, so it was just... All of these things kind of happened, and, and suddenly, over the course of maybe five, ten years, um, I became a person that 18-year-old me would not have recognized and would have thought was a little bit crazy. It came out to me um, when Angie and I went skiing, I think maybe our 10th or 11th year that we'd been married, we went on a ski trip with a couple friends, and uh, I started recognizing, because high school me thought that a ski trip would have been just a time like you just go out and have fun. Um, you know, 30-year-old me was approaching a ski trip like an organizational challenge. We have three days. It's a big mountain. So the first two days, we are going to methodically ski the entire mountain, every run that we are capable of hitting, so that on the third day, we can make sure we ski all of our favorites and we don't get stuck waiting in any lines. We are going to master this mountain. And I was loving it the whole time. Well, I realized about halfway through the second day, um, my wife has not picked a single run that we went on. And she didn't mind. She was just out there to have fun. We had actually kind of flip-flopped roles a little bit, and I'd become the crazy person, and she'd become the laid-back fun one. Uh, and, and so about halfway through, I, I said, hey, Ange, why don't, why don't you, when we get off the lift, you pick where we're going. She's like, okay. I said, I'm just going to follow you. And so we get off the lift, and 
And I say, which way are we going? She said, follow me. Okay. So she starts down. Well, we come to the, the first fork in the trail, and I was staying behind her. But as we come up, I skied up to her real fast and said, left or right? And she said, follow me. I'm like, okay. So we follow her. We come to the next fork. Left or right? Where are we going? I don't know yet. I'll decide when I get there. I'm like, we're about to get there. Please just tell me left or right. I don't know. Follow me. I go, okay. And so about halfway down the mountain, we've done this probably five times by this point. It's a big mountain. It's about a 15-minute top-to-bottom run. And, and we stop about halfway to catch our breath. And I said, hey, um, just curious, what lift are we headed to at the bottom? She said, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know the names of the lifts. Why, where, we get, where we go, we'll go. And I was just like, I, I said, Angie, look, I am happy to follow you, but I need you to tell me where we are going and what route we're going to take to get there so I know what we're going to ski after this. And she looked at me with this look in her eyes, and she said, who are you? You used to be fun. You used to be spontaneous. And I, it was just kind of this bolt. I looked at her. And I was like, you did this to me. I did used to be fun. I did used to be spontaneous. But now look at me. I can't even enjoy one ski run. And that little run, that 15 minutes, was really kind of a microcosm of my life from that point, honestly, to this point. You see, I like change if I'm in control of the change. I don't mind sudden diversions as long as you tell me ahead of time that they're coming. I don't mind unexpected seasons as long as I know that they're going to turn out well on the other end, right? Which, as I've thought about this, means I don't like change, I don't like unexpected seasons, and I really don't like being out of control. And I think a lot of us can identify with that when it comes to this idea of I'm going to trade my control for Jesus' direction. It's like, well, yeah, I'll trade with him. As long as he tells me where we're going, how we're going to get there, how long it's going to take, and what shape I'm going to be in when I get there. Right? And so what it reveals to us is that if we are control freaks, then any sort of change is going to freak us out. And what I want us to look at this morning, because sometimes you're going you're to enter into change that you're excited about, that you love. Sometimes it's going to be change that comes that you didn't want any part of at all. Right? It's a diagnosis. It's the end of a relationship. It's some dramatic change in your life. But no matter if you're excited about the changes on your horizon or if you are terrified by what might come next, what I want us to see this morning in John chapter 10 is that we can always trust Jesus. And when we exchange our control for his direction, it always turns out for our good. So in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to use the the analogy of a sheep and a shepherd to tell us and teach us why we can trust him. So we're going to read some portions of it. We're going to start in John chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, throughout this passage, I'd encourage you to read the whole thing later. Jesus talks about what his role is as a shepherd, and the implications are are very there and apparent for what our role is as the sheep, right? And, And it's clear. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. 
Now, we don't have time to get into all of those this morning. If, if you're wanting or needing to learn more about what it means to trust Jesus as your shepherd, um, two, I think last year maybe, uh, two years ago, 2018 during Lent, we did a, a Lent message series where we walked through Psalm 23. So if you go to christianchapel.com sermons and click on that little icon that says step into the light, Psalm 23, um, there's just weeks, I think six or seven weeks worth of material about this is what it looks like for Jesus to be your shepherd, for him to lead you, to guide you, to protect you, to provide for you. It's just kind of an all-encompassing picture. We don't have time for that today, so we're going to focus on one very specific aspect of Jesus' role as our shepherd, that he leads us. He makes it very, very clear to us. He says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Every trade Jesus offers us, all of the ones that we've looked at to this point, anyone that you can imagine, always involves moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. You see, the call from Jesus is not just a call to him, it's a call to follow him. There's an expectation of continual movement that is placed on every follower of Jesus. As the sheep, we will always follow the shepherd. He's going to lead us, he's going to call us onto his path. To, to put it another way, the every exchange Jesus offers us requires some form of change from you and I. And that's the part where some of us start to get a little nervous. We're happy to exchange our, our suffering for his peace, our mourning for his joy, right? We're, we're happy to trade our careers for his calling, but we really don't want to have to go through a whole lot of change to get there. And, and the reason we fear change is, is different for each one of us. Some of us, we fear change because right now we're really comfortable. Life is good. We like everything how we have it, and we don't want anyone coming to, to mess it up. Right, for some of us, we fear change because change has brought bad things into our lives in other seasons. Right, and, and our reaction to those bad things has been to live a very controlled life where we are trying to hold tightly to everything and everyone so that we're not caught by surprise ever again. Some of us fear change because we have a misunderstanding of who God is, and we're afraid he's going to call us to do things that will make us miserable because we don't really know what it is for him to be the good shepherd, to be a loving father, to be the one who always has our best in mind. And so for, for whatever reason, we fear change, and we, we try to hold back from it. And, and some of us, we fear change because we're afraid Jesus is going to call us into a new season and then kind of say, hey, good luck. Hope you make it through, Right? Like, oh, I gave you these kids. Let's see what you can do. I gave you this job. Hope it turns out for you. I called you into this marriage, and now they seem like a totally different person. I'm sure you'll work it out. We're terrified that he's going to call us to start a change but not be with us all the way through. But when we begin to understand that Jesus is our shepherd, the one who leads us, then we can enter into every season of change, whether it's one we've sought out and one we've asked for or one that has been thrust upon us. We can enter into it with confidence knowing Jesus is going to be with us all the way through the change. Even the language he uses here in describing himself, he says that he is the one who leads us out, that he calls his sheep by name and then he goes before them. When Angie and I uh, were engaged, my grandparents lived on a farm out in western Oklahoma. And my grandma and grandpa was a big deal for them that they had uh, 16 grandkids. And every time one of us got engaged, they always wanted the fiancé to come to the farm before the wedding. I don't really know why, but it was important. And when it's important to grandma, 
you make it happen, right? So uh, Angie and I, we made our trip out to the farm and uh, just enjoyed some time. Well, we were leaving, and my parents had moved to Oklahoma City. So I grow, I'd grown up in Kansas, and I was used to the drive from the farm back to Kansas, and I didn't really know the route from um, the farm to Oklahoma City. Now, this was before GPS. It was before even the, the tom-toms, I don't know if you guys remember those, right? When it wasn't on your phone, but it was mounted on your dashboard. It was before any of that. Um, it wasn't so old that I had to pull out the foldable map, but it was so old that I had to print out the MapQuest directions ahead of time, staple them together, and keep them on the console next to me, right? Some of you remember that. Like, turn on Farm Road 450. There are no signs out here. How do, so, so that was the experience. So we're there, and I have my MapQuest printed directions, and my grandma says, you know, I'll get, get back to the city, right? And I said, yeah. And I showed her my MapQuest directions, and she took them. She was like, that's not right. I'll tell you how to get there. Okay. So she gave me typical farmer directions. She said, all right, listen, Angie, you might need to help him. You guys are going to go out here. You're going to go past the Parker Place about a quarter mile. You're going to turn at the big tree. Okay? When you get to the big tree, go a couple miles down to the road, you'll get to the old burned down church. When you get to the burned down church, take a right. The road's going to curve. There's a big smiley face painted in the middle. The smiley face is painted there because some kid wrote some bad words on the road, and we couldn't have that, so we put a smiley face over it. When you get to the smiley face, go another quarter mile. The road's going to curve. Make sure you take the curve so you get back on the state highway. Otherwise, you're going to wind up over here, and you're never going to get back home. And she said, you got it? And we said, Okay, and we got in the car and kind of hoped it turned out well. This is how some of us think God's going to lead us through a season of change, right? Like, hey, there's some stuff in your marriage that I think you need to fix. Go ahead, get started. Good luck with it. Hey, you said you wanted another kid. Here's three more of them. Hope it turns out okay. Hey, I'm going to lead you into a new job, and, and I hope that you perform well, and I hope that you don't miss my clues along the way when it's time to put your resume together and go somewhere else. We have this idea that God is going to lead us, but he's going to lead us from afar. But what Jesus tells us is that he will always lead us out of a personal relationship. He says, I come to the sheep. I call each one of them by name. They come out to me, and when all of those who belong to me have come out, then I will go on ahead of them. See, if I go back to my grandparents' farm later this afternoon, and I'm trying to make my way from there back to Oklahoma City, my grandparents have both passed away, so they're not going to be there to give me directions anymore. And yet, I'm actually going to get back to the city a lot easier today than I did back then. Because what am I going to do? I'm going to plug in the address I'm going to on my phone, and it's going to give me turn-by-turn directions until I get there. Right? And, and this presents us with a much better picture of how Jesus is going to lead us. He's going to lead you on the right path because he's committed to you as your shepherd. Right? And so you don't have to worry about, man, did, did, am I going straight when I should have turned left? There's a curve in the road. There's a fork in the road. Every time you come to a fork in the road and you're following Jesus, he's either going to tell you, take the right one, take the left one, or either one are okay. So guess what? You get to pick, and I'm going to be with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you. And this should give us comfort in our season of change. The the thing that some of us do, though, is, is we're okay with that as long as the changes are going well and working out for our good. But when life gets really hard and really difficult, we are tempted to take control back from Jesus and say, I don't know that I can trust you anymore. 
Right, but, but here's what you got to understand. The, the more difficult your journey, the more difficult the path that you're on this morning, the more important it is that you are following Jesus. So, so we, we do this all the time. We think, okay, I'm, I'm following Jesus. Life is good, but now I get the diagnosis. Well, I, I guess he's not watching out for me, so I better handle this myself. The, the marriage falls apart, and we think, well, now I've got to take care of everything myself. The job goes away, and we think, well, now I can't trust him with my finances. I've got to do it on myself. And, and oftentimes, in the moments when we need him the most, we are most tempted to walk away and think that we can do it on our own. Now, you can get away with doing it on your own in certain seasons of life. Right, very, very much in the same way that, that I can get away with finding my way around Tulsa without any kind of GPS. Right, I can find my way around Kansas, around Missouri, around Texas, places that I've spent a lot of time, places that I've driven a lot, places where I know even if I get lost, I can stop and ask for directions and, and kind of get back on course. But when I go, I've got a, a college buddy that is a, a missionary in India, and I go over there every now and then to visit him, and, and he'll take me on these treks through the Himalayas in northern India. And I know from the moment I land in India, I need help. Or I'm not going to get where I need to get, and I might never get back home. And the farther out into the mountains we go, the more important it is for us, not only for me to stay with my buddy and trust him, but each path along the way will stop, and he'll hire a local guide. And that guide doesn't just tell us where to go, but they say, okay, you're going to take this route. I will lead you there. And they walk out in front of us, and we follow them down the path the entire way. And they're telling us what dangers to watch out for. They're telling us what shortcuts are, are okay to take and what are not. They're telling us what villages to go in and what villages to avoid. They're telling us where the sources of fresh water are and where the bad water is. They are helping us with all these things. And we place our trust in them completely because they live there. They've walked those paths. They've been every way that we're going. It's the same thing when Jesus says, I am your shepherd. And what's interesting is he doesn't say, I'm your shepherd, and I come to drive you from behind. Doesn't say, I come to tell you, that's the path. Now, you better get going, or I'm going to run up the backside of you. But he says, no, I call them by name. And when all of those who belong to me have come out, then I go before them, and I lead the way. Wherever you are this morning, you can trust that Jesus is there and will be there because he's going before you. Right, this is really where it rests, and this is why it should be a no-brainer to trade your control for his direction. Because we're trying to control things that we have no idea how they're going to turn out. Right, you enter into that marriage, you don't know what it's going to be like in 10 years. You don't know who you're going to be as a person. You don't know who your spouse is going to be as a person. But Jesus does, and he promised he'll be there. You have those babies, and you have no idea how they're going to turn out, what their personalities are going to be, what kind of influences they're going to have, how the world's going to be different from the world you grew up in. But Jesus knows, and Jesus will be there. We enter into seasons of loss, and we think, I've never been this way before, and I never want to come this way again. And in that moment, we should find hope knowing Jesus has been there. He has walked through it. He's walked through death itself and promised there is life on the other side. And it's, it's this hope that we should find because he is our good shepherd who goes before us. And wherever you are this morning, you might look all around the room and think, nobody has ever been through what I'm going through right now. I'll tell you two things. First of all, you're probably wrong. Right? That if you learn the stories of other people in your community, even if they don't personally have the experience you have, 
chances are very high they know somebody who's had the experience that you're having right now. Right? We're rarely the first person. I mean, I've found myself often over the last few years saying, no one's ever been through what I've gone through before. And all it takes is a phone call or two for somebody to say, no, 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 you need to talk to this guy. No, you need to talk to this person. They've been down that path before. The second thing I would tell you is even if you can completely exhaust your options and you find that you actually are the first person in human history to ever have the particular experience you're having right now, Jesus still goes before you. He still goes before you into every unwanted season, every new opportunity, every blessing, every curse, and everything you experience. He is already there and already on the other side of it and has a plan. It doesn't matter if the path you're on was the path he directed you to or a path that you chose through your own sin or was forced on you by the sins of others. Wherever you are, Jesus has a way to get you from there to where he wants you to be. We should take tremendous comfort in that. And yet there is still this element of fear that many of us have. I just don't know. And Jesus anticipates our fear. And he ends this this little teaching in John 10 with this assurance. He says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In in these little lines, Jesus is reiterating what David writes in Psalm 23, that you guide me along right paths for your name's sake. When Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he is attaching his reputation to our well-being. In in any form, both when Jesus was there and today, the skill and the ability of the shepherd is determined by the condition of the sheep. Right? That if, if you were to go out and you saw a bunch of sheep that were poorly taken care of, that were full of parasites, full of fleas, that were, that were malnourished, that were in, in just terrible pastures, you would know they have a bad shepherd. Nobody's taking care of them. Nobody's watching over them. What Jesus is telling us here is, I am the good shepherd, and because I'm the good shepherd, I'm going to take good care of you. And that does not change regardless of what situation you find yourself in in life. Jesus is a good shepherd is not the guarantee that you'll never have to walk on an unwanted path. Right? Sometimes he's got to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes he's got to lead you through some seasons where you learn it's not about me, it's not about my strength, where you're taken beyond yourself so you can learn to fully trust in him. But in every path we walk, he is the good shepherd who goes before us. And just in case we don't get it, he tells us, I will lay down my life. For my sheep. If you can trust Jesus to die for you, you can trust him to direct you. When we received communion this morning, it's a reminder to us that he has already went to the farthest length possible to provide for our needs. Our greatest need in life is not to be healed of a sickness. It's not to have our physical needs met. It's to have our relationship with God be restored. And through his death and his resurrection, Jesus makes that new life possible to us. And so what he's telling us is, look, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to rise again for you. And now you're going to live in this new life with me. It's tremendously encouraging to us. 
Now, now, each week as we have worked through the different trades and exchanges that Jesus has offered us, we've tried to share stories of people in our community, people at Christian Chapel who have experienced these things. To remind us, these aren't just theories that we talk about. They're not just stories from the scripture, but they are the reality of our life. Now, the, the challenge for today was not finding a story. It was narrowing it down to one story. Because literally, we could go to almost every single person in this room and say, tell me about a time that you had to trade your control for God's direction and he came through. And we could tell those stories again and again and again. Even this this morning before service, Cliff Talbert stopped me and was telling me a story about something that had happened in his business this week that was just a, a clear example of God's plans are better than our plans. And if we'll just obey, we'll get in the space he wants us to be in. Right? And so I hope tonight in your home groups that you'll take some time and tell those stories to each other of how God has directed you through, through good and exciting changes and, and maybe also through some unwanted seasons. The story we chose this morning is, is from our new executive pastor, Chris Godfrey. Uh, we've got to know Chris. He and I met last fall and got to know him over the past couple months. He joined us on staff uh, just last week. And it's just a, a wonderful story of just, hey, trusting God that when he speaks, we obey. And trusting him that as we release control, we receive his direction. So I hope Chris's story is encouraging to you and kind of models for you what it looks like to trade your control for God's direction. My name is Chris Godfrey, and I'm the new executive pastor here at Christian Chapel. My family and I just moved here to the Tulsa area in May of 2019. I've learned to trust God through the big changes in my life by simply just letting go of of my plans and my desires. I'm a planner and um, I like to have a lot of control, but I've learned uh, it's best just to give him control of my life and to uh, let him lead and direct. Change is definitely something that's not new for me. I've moved from Neosho, Missouri to uh, Lorraine, Ohio to be a youth pastor. That's where I met Beth and we um, got married and then the Lord moved us from Lorraine, Ohio to Springfield, Missouri for me to continue my education at AGTS and there um, I accepted a position as worship pastor for Oak Grove Assembly of God. And then after I graduated from uh, seminary, He moved us to Edmond, Oklahoma for seven and a half years where I was the worship pastor for Spring Creek Assembly of God. And then just here in these past three months began the transition here back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I sensed my time in Edmond was coming to an end probably for the first time um, right after a Christmas Eve service in 2017. Uh, I was locking up the church and walking around, and I was the only one left in the church, and I was just kind of reminiscing of the great event and the great service that it was. And just out of nowhere, um, I just really felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, I want you to start preparing um, that your time here might not be that much longer. And of course, I, I didn't, there wasn't any specifics, and I didn't really know uh, how much time there was going to be, but that's kind of the beginning of of how it all started. So we went to minister's retreat. And I remember driving to minister's retreat in Branson, Missouri, 2018. There was just several times that we kept running into um, this couple and we didn't even know who they were. I recognized them from district events 
it was just kind of a funny situation the first time I saw him. I didn't really say anything. And then the second time, I think it was even Beth kind of nudged me and said, oh, look, there's that, that couple that keeps following us around. We uh, were in an elevator and then in walks the same couple. And so finally at this point, it was kind of getting awkward and I was just kind of like, okay, let's introduce ourselves. So I introduced uh, ourselves and met for the first time Chris and Angie Dow. The very last thing that happened was the minister of the very last service asked us to turn around and to give a prayer request for um, what we were going through at that point in our lives. Both turned around and lo and behold, there was uh, Chris and Angie. And so we both, we didn't even know what we were going to say for our prayer request. And we both ended up giving the same request. We just both needed direction in our lives because this had been an ongoing thing for a year. Three months later, uh, I get an email from Chris and I just remember reading the words of that email. They just jumped out of the computer screen at me. And after a year and a half of praying, I felt the Lord just specifically say, this is it, go for this. And I shared it with Beth that night, the email. She started crying and she said, well, you don't know this, but I specifically asked the Lord to um, provide you with an executive pastor position for you to be able to utilize your gifts in um, God's kingdom. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is probably um, a go-to scripture for encouragement for any uh, change in my life. Um, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Sometimes that's difficult to do, to let go of all, but that's the key word, is just trusting the Lord with everything that is within you. And then just trusting him that he will keep his promises, and he always does. He um, leads and in every aspect of our life. If I could give anyone encouragement who is in a season of change, I would just say, um, encourage you to embrace the change and embrace um, letting go and letting God work out every single detail. Um, he has it all under control and he will lead your life and bless you. And who knows what kind of amazing blessings are out there if you just learn to give him complete control of your life. I'm Chris Godfrey and I traded control for direction. some of us this morning, we're in seasons of change that we never wanted and we can't wait to get out of. All right, the, the, the decisions of others, the decisions that you have made, they've brought some difficulties into your life and, and you're dealing with some issues that, that you just wish would go away. And the sooner they go away, the better. My encouragement to you this morning is not that you're about to be delivered, because I don't know if you are or not, but I do know Jesus can lead you from where you are to where he wants you to be. He is not hindered by where you are this morning. He is not intimidated by the challenges that you face. He is the good shepherd and he stands calling you out by name today. But you have a choice to make. See, the sheep can always stay in the pen. And if they do, they'll be a little more safe, but eventually they're gonna run out of food, they're gonna run out of water, they're gonna run out of the protection of the shepherd and they're gonna be in worse shape than if they had followed. So this morning, as you hear Jesus calling you right in the middle of the path that you're on, don't let your fear of what might come keep you from following him. He's the good shepherd. He died for you and he is going to direct you. 
If you'll stand with me, I want to pray for us and give us a chance to respond to what God is saying to us today. Lord, we come to you and recognize our need for you to be our shepherd, to lead us and to guide us. Lord, I pray for those who are facing some significant decisions in their lives, decisions about new relationships, decisions about new jobs, about new educational opportunities, decisions about starting families and moving houses, all other sorts of things that that come our way. Lord, I pray as, as each one of them are facing those choices, that they would stop and spend some time seeking you, listening for your voice, and following the path that you lead them out on. Lord, I pray for those who are in unwanted seasons of change today. Lord, their fear, their pain has become so great that they're they're tempted to try to wrestle control back. Pray this morning, Lord, that in their fear, in their weakness, in their doubt, in their depression, that they would continue to trust that you are the God who directs their path, that you will reveal the, the way they should go one step at a time. So Lord, from whatever condition our lives are in this morning, we come and we surrender our control and we ask that you would replace it with the direction of your spirit. As we read the scriptures, may we hear your voice. As we worship you, as we pray, as we engage in relationships with other believers, may you speak boldly and clearly to us about your plans and your purposes. And help us, Lord, to respond in faith and to respond in obedience to move from where we are into where you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The band's gonna lead us in a final song this morning. Give us a chance to respond to what God is saying. If you would like someone to pray with you personally, I wanna encourage you to um, just kind of make the the physical effort this morning. Head out the back doors and to your left. Uh, Some of our pastoral staff and our prayer team will be waiting to meet with you to pray personal prayers about the changes that you're facing this morning. In the same way that Jesus says he calls the sheep out of the pen, I believe today he's calling, physically calling some of you to move from where you are, take that walk of faith to the prayer room so that you can hear his voice, you can let others be part of his presence in your life. So as we sing, if you would like that, if you need that, if you'll head out the back doors and to your left, the rest of us, we're gonna sing this last song just as a, a declaration of our need for Jesus to lead us and guide us.
something you have to conjure up on your own. It's not something you have to, to create or be disciplined to have, but faith is a gift that God puts in our hearts. He puts in our minds the propel-
compels us through every circumstance. So may the Spirit fill you with faith that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the good shepherd who calls you by name, goes before you, and leads you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And all along that path, you will know his power, you will know his presence, and you will know his peace. Thank you for worshiping him with us today. May you go in his grace and peace and experience his leading and his guiding. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.